1: If you've been trekking with us, we've been working through some things, right? I'm trying to get you all through the gospel, and we we had a very successful series with the gospel, and and then just last week we wrapped up a, a brand new a series uh, about purpose, and I hope that many of you are already on that pathway, on that on that on that trail of life and discovering your purpose. But today, I want you to all get outside of your comfort zone. Now, obviously, when I played this, you know. This wonderful song that some of us grew up with. Now, I might be, I might be telling my age when I say that. Maybe, maybe this is like too young of a crowd or something. I don't know. But I grew up with Mr. Rogers. Real talk. I thought he was a little weird at first, but, but he was just the friendliest dude ever. And the music, oh, my God, that song, it just makes you feel good inside, like, like you're part of something, a part of a community, a part of a neighbor. And, and I don't know about you, but I always wish that at some point, like, you know, because Mr. Rogers would say, oh, there's Christine, and, and there's Allende, and, and there's Gerald. I always wish, like, like, he would say, and, and there's Broderick. I always wanted him to call my, come on, y'all know I'm not the only one. Okay, y'all young folk, y'all don't get it. If you were born in the seventies and, and and stuff, you would get it, but okay, don't see that's all that looks, sir. But I loved Mr. Rogers. Now today is not a sermon about Mr. Rogers, but today we start a new series about what it really means to be a neighbor. You know, the greatest commandment in the Bible, Old and New Testament, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind your soul, and your strength, and equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself. And I personally believe that if we really, literally took that one commandment, did nothing else, with the 613 plus laws that were created and commands that were created and the thousands of laws that were created by Hebrews, if we did nothing else but focused all of our natural talent and abilities to that one thing, I firmly believe that we would be in a different world. I firmly believe that homelessness would not exist. I firmly believe that nobody would ever be hungry If we really honed in all of our attention and energy on that one thing, love your neighbor as yourself, there would not be hate in this world. If we loved our neighbor as ourselves, there would not be any division between racial and social economic differences. If we loved our neighbors, we wouldn't look at our Muslim brothers and sisters and say, you are not like me if we just loved our neighbor. Firmly believe. And if you're not a Bible person today, dedicate yourself to that one scripture. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's so important. It's repeated. Old Testament, several times in the New Testament. This is the epicenter and the most important part of our faith. It's not about how often you come to church on Sunday morning. God will give you some credit for that. It's not about how big a check you write for the church. I will give you a lot of credit for that, but I don't know about God. I will dap you. I will shout your name out. I will, you listen, you'll be all over my Instagram, I promise you. But that's another story. God is not going to look at that. What he's going to look at when we stand before him on Judgment Day, he's going to say, did you indeed follow the greatest commandment that I set forth in the Old and the New Testament and love your neighbor as yourself? Did you do that? That's my measuring stick for you today. And so for these next four weeks or so, we're going to spend a lot of time on that because part of your purpose is tied into loving your neighbor. Amen? If, if if you're taking notes, and I hope that you are, I want to uh, start in the New Testament here today, and uh, my scripture reading is going to come from um, Luke, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 29. Now, if you're taking notes, that scripture is there, but that's where we're going to kick it off. That's where we're going to start at today. If you need a handout, just raise your hand, and we'll get one in your hand, and if you need a, a pen, uh, we'll we'll get that in your hand as well. Luke says this, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, You got it. You got it. Do this and you will live. It's funny how Jesus threw it back at him, right? It's funny, this lawyer. This, this this great man who, who understood him and his crew, that's what they were doing. They were following Jesus around. They're hearing Jesus, sharing the gospel and changing lives and, and performing miracles. And he's just really, really uh, impacting people's lives in such a major way. He's saying things that are very familiar, things that these people have heard before. Because you've got to remember, he was speaking a lot of times in their synagogue. He's saying things that's familiar to them. But what happens is he's speaking to a different matter which is causing them to question what he's saying see jesus was penetrating their heart see he was sharing some of the same commandments telling that to them but he was trying to really touch their hearts get them to get outside of this law and begin to get inside of love so this jewish lawyer decides that i'm going to trip this man jesus up jesus tell me teacher and I'm sure he was some sarcasm in that. Teacher, oh, wise one, think you know it all? What is the greatest commandment? Don't you love what Jesus does here? He didn't say, I'll answer it because I'm so wise. He says, I don't know. You tell me, wise guy. And so what does he do? He quotes what he knows best because he's a lawyer. He knows the laws better than anybody else. He goes back and quotes the law that was written in Leviticus, and you find, you find it in Deuteronomy Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. And in early days, in Old Testament days, Hebrews were very intentional about loving their God. It was the it was the, the, the whole purpose of why they existed is to love our God. He rescued us out of Egypt. He he's been there for us. He's done so many things. Love our God with all that's in us. But the only way can we we can we can reflect that and, and make that an example is to also love God our neighbors. So this guy quotes this to Jesus. And Jesus is like, okay, cool, dummy. I know that. But do you know that? Are they just words or do they have meaning? Are they just words to you or or, or do they have meaning, lawyer? So the lawyer is trying to trip him up to see if he's really a know-it-all. And Jesus puts it back in his court and says, hey, since you, here, here it is. Since you know the answer, here's the, here's the answer. Do that, and you will live. The next thing this guy says to Jesus, and I'm going to jump down here, Luke 10, 29. This is what he says. He's asking him these questions. He's trying to get in there, trying to trip him up, see how wise he is, see if he really doesn't know it all. But then he's like, he's not satisfied. He's like, okay, 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 you got me on that one. You, you call my bluff, Jesus. Okay, I got something else for you. I got something else for you. So Luke tells us the man wanted to justify his actions. So then he asked this. Okay, wise guy, Mr. Jesus person. Love my neighbor. Well, then who is my neighbor? Love my neighbor as myself. Who is my neighbor? Now watch this. For the lawyer that meant something totally different than what Jesus was getting ready to tell him for the lawyer. That meant in his eyes, my neighbor is anybody who looks like me. My neighbor is anybody who believes what I believe. My neighbor is, is, is anyone who is born a pure blooded Hebrew Israelite, just like me. So Jesus in your mind, who is my neighbor? And here's what Jesus does. Jesus tells him a story. I'm going to paraphrase it, but if you have your Bible, the story, you can find it in Luke 29 all the way down, well, Luke 30 all the way down to 37. And here's what happened. Jesus tells a story. He tells a story about a man who was traveling on Jericho Road. And he's traveling on Jericho Road. He's traveling uh, from Jerusalem to Jericho, so he's on this road. Now, this road is a treacherous road. It's, 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 it's about 3,000. This is real life. I'm not making this up. This road is about 3,000 feet deep. It's full of terrains. Matter of fact, it was called the Bloody Trail, and it was called the Bloody Trail for a reason because robbers would lay in wait for travelers as they came through there so that they could kill them and rob them and take from them. So Jesus starts there. Let's start geographically. He starts there by telling this story, this parable. He says there's a man traveling on Jericho Road between Jerusalem and Jericho, and he's robbed, and he's beaten, and he's laying there on the ground. And all of a sudden, a priest walks by, and a priest sees him lying there, and the priest cross to the other side. And then suddenly a Levite comes, probably just left synagogue, probably just left prayer service. He walks and he's going down the road, and he also sees. This man robbed, beaten, laying there, and he crosses to the other side. And I'm paraphrasing this. But then a Samaritan came, and he sees this man lying there, beaten, broken, bleeding, and he stops to heal him. Now... And I'll tell you more about that in a minute. Let's pause right there. I want to I go somewhere. Then I'm going to have you take some notes here. What's the significance in Jesus? Now, remember, this is a story he's telling. It's a parable. He's just telling this off the fly. This is not an oral history. This is not anything that he's reading from a book. This is something he's making up the story, so to speak. What's so significant in the road to Jericho, number one, the people involved in this story, number two, and how that makes a difference for you and I. And let me explain. The priest who Jesus is describing, when he mentions the priest, he's getting right in the face, right in the face of the lawyer saying, Your priest, the person you pray with or pray who prays for you, would walk by. I'm in your face. I'm giving you the example. I'm in your face with this now. The person that you'd pray with, the person that represents everything you believe in, walks by and does nothing. So now he's got the lawyer's attention. The lawyer's listening, like, okay, okay, okay. You're going to throw a priest in there, somebody that represents me. Let me hear where you're going with this, Jesus. He walks by, does nothing. Now, let me tell you why that's significant back then. In those days, part of their faith said that if you were a priest, it was unclean to touch a dead carcass. As a matter of fact, we believe that possibly the priest was coming from the synagogue at the time. And if the priest saw a dead carcass and you touched it, you would be then labeled unclean. You wouldn't, you wouldn't do anything about it. And so, in the, you know, Jesus is painting this picture, so I'm imagining that the lawyer's thinking that, well, okay, I get it. Maybe he didn't touch him because he would be unclean, and to clean himself again, he didn't have to go through this rigorous ceremony and blah, 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 blah. Truth is, there was law back then that allowed them the opportunity to help someone if they were dying. So obviously, Jesus wasn't talking. To that 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 example wasn't saying that this priest wasn't going to help. Uh, you know, wasn't going to help because this person was unclean. Jesus is point painting a picture, saying, "No, this person didn't help because he didn't want to help." Huh? Let me make it personal. You just come out of the supermarket. Somebody's out there. Saying, hey, I need help with something. You don't have to raise your hand because I'm not going to put anybody on the spot. I I need help. My, My child and I are stranded. How many have had the stranded people come up to you? I know you have. We're stranded. We need help. I don't have any change. I'm sorry. And you go about your business. I may not be speaking to anybody in this room because I believe you all are really holy and you help every single person who asks you for help. I maybe have the wrong audience that I'm speaking to. Can I I be honest? Some of us are like that priest, right? And and, and a lot of times it's not because we don't have it. It's because we're in a rush. And and what I got to do is way more important than what you have going on. So I'm sorry, but I will pray for you. I'll see you in a minute. I don't mean to paint it so drastically, y'all, but y'all get the point. Many of us are just like that priest. And it's not because we don't want to help, but what's going on in our lives and in our world at that moment in that specific time is far more important than you, ma'am, and your child who may or may not be stranded. Hmm. Some say that perhaps the priest didn't help because he was afraid that the person that was laying there that was robbed was possibly faking it and was going to rob them. He was faking like he got beat up, and he was just going to ambush him. I don't know. There's so many theological, the, theological thoughts behind this, but I firmly believe that Jesus said that because he was trying to paint the example of one of the highest-ranking people in your faith ignored a man, and this is how it goes with Jews and Samaritans. And that's what, we're going to get to that in a minute about the Samaritan. That's so good. That's the best part. Then he paints the picture of a Levite. Now Levites back then they they weren't particular. They weren't priests but they had status in the community. They were people. They had money, right? They had title. They, they were significant, right? So he says, a Levite, another important person to the lawyer, ignores this man. Matter of fact, the Levite crosses over and frowns and like, Ugh, I don't want no part of that. Why would Jesus throw the Levite in there? So we already know the priest is no good. He's already concerned about his business. Why would Jesus throw the Levite in there? Well, some of us are just like that Levite, right? I live on this side of town, and I don't associate with people that live on that side of town. Okay, maybe that's not it. Uh, I'm Baptist, and I don't hang out with AME folk. Yeah, still not the right crowd. Okay, that's cool. Um We, (laughs) we live in this subdivision and y'all live in the apartment complex and we just don't deal with apartment complex folk. Maybe I'm still talking to the wrong audience today. We're black and you're white and we just don't understand your culture. Can I get in your doggone face for a minute? Can I tell the truth? I'm Christian. You're Muslim. We don't deal with you. I like women. You like women, but you're a woman and we just don't deal with your kind. Can I talk about it for a minute? We're just like the Levite. We're a certain status. I'm Christian. I don't associate with gay people, thieves, and everybody else who's a sinner. Any Levites in here? You don't have to raise your hand. I already know who you are. (laughs) I'm going to preach this thing, y'all, if I do it by myself. So we got some priests in here, and we got some Levites who, who are very status quo. We're so very, you know, focused on status. I cannot be associated with you because you don't believe what I believe. You don't look like I look. You don't hang where I hang. You don't read the same books I read. You don't watch the same movies I watch. We can't hang. Matter of fact, I don't want to be guilty by association. Do you know if Jesus said that, he would never, ever have any disciples? Do you know who his closest homeboys were? Sinners and tax collectors. Do y'all know that tax collectors was their own category of sinner? It was like a a, a whole different level of sinner. And Jesus intentionally hung out with them. Matter of fact, he wanted the the religious people of the day to see, yo, I'm breaking bread with not just sinners, but tax collectors. Look at me. Mm, This is the best chicken I ever had. Man, I didn't know tax collectors could cook like this. Do you know if Jesus decided not to intentionally hang out with them and set the example for us today, our whole faith would be jacked up. So Jesus is telling this lawyer, he's giving the example. Y'all, go, y- y'all get where I'm going with this? He's like, yo, people just don't do it. But let me tell you the person that would do it. There's this Samaritan that comes by. Now the lawyer's like, oh, my goodness. Why are you going to throw? You know, we can't stand Samaritans. They're the worst of the worst. They're the scum on the bottom of the scum. They're terrible. They're inbreds. they crossbred. They're all kind of bread. They're, they're stale bread, molded bread. They're terrible. Why are you going to throw the Samaritan in there, teacher? Because Jesus threw the Samaritan in the, the show. The person you hate. The person you don't like and you don't know well enough to to make even that judgment call, the person you don't want to even associate with, yeah, they get it. They really understand love thy neighbor as thyself because they don't care about if they're going to be wrong. They're going to risk it all to help this person that looks distressed. Even if I'm going to be set up, I'm going to take my chances and be there because I may be their last hope. Anybody ever feel like that? I'm always that person. That's my problem. Uh, if you're familiar with the Myers-Briggs test, you know, I'm an ENFP. Okay, don't worry about that. That's scientific. Look it up later. Google it. You'll figure it out, and my face will be there. I'm an ENFP. What does that mean? I'm a habitual yes-sayer. I, it's hard for me to say no. I should say no way more than I, than I do say it. So I'm like, uh, Pastor Broder, can you do this? Yeah, sure, I'll do that. Uh, can, can you, can you, can you, can you preach this? Can you do that? Can you give? Yeah, I'll give it. I mean, you know, I know the bills will do, but I, I just trust Jesus. Take it. Somebody says they have a need. I'm going to be evicted. I'm like, yo, I'm, let me, let me fix it. I'm a yes person. I want to be the one to save it. I want to be the hero. I want to be the one to do something great because, and it's not because I want it because I'm like, I think Jesus will be like, boy, Roderick. You're the man. Way to go, son. I love that. And my problem is, 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 is saying no. Right, my problem is just saying no when I need to say no, and and, and I'm working on it y'all, y'all, y'all pray for me, Y'all, y'all pray for me on that, please. But when I hear the cry of someone like that mother, yeah, I all, for some reason, God always sends her my way, that mother that's stranded with her kids and needs some gas, why are you always sending that to me because he's like, Cause you you don't know how to say no, And I don't, huh? Somebody said they want to pray let's pray right now in the middle of the, of the frozen food aisle. Maybe some other people, going, we'll start a revival right here in a frozen section of Kroger. Me and you, let's just get to praying, and I'll start singing some hymns, and you, you get what I'm saying? I just want to do it right and do it for God, and so, and so some of y'all have been desperate like that, right? You just want to be the first responder to somebody who has a need, and that's the Samaritan. He's like, I'm a first responder. If that means I'm risking my life, that means I'm sacrificing my own money, my own time, my own stuff, my own donkey. Let me tell you what the Samaritan did. I I forgot to tell you. That's really good. So the the Samaritan not only stopped to tend to the wounds of this person who was hurt. Watch this. The Samaritan who was on a donkey. Remember what I told you about Jericho Road? It's treacherous. The terrains are rough. You want to, matter of fact, nobody really walked it. You had to have a donkey because it was just that, it was rough. It was a jacked up road, right? It was just messed up. And then you had theft and you had all kinds of stuff. You had wild animals. You had everything. So, so, so here's what the Samaritan did. He says, I'm going to get off my own donkey. Yeah, some of y'all can get off of y'all donkeys in a different way and do something good. But the Samaritan got off his donkey. Y'all will get that. Just let that marinate. Just season it. Let it get in there. And then once it hits your heart, you can say, hey, man, I'll shout with you. He gets off of his own donkey, tends to the wounds of this person right here, this complete stranger who is actually. why By the way, that person that was robbed was Jewish. That was part of the story, too. So the Samaritan hated Jews just as much as Jews hated Samaritans. So he gets down, looks, heals his wounds, lifts him up, puts him on his donkey, walks several tens of miles, I guess. I don't know. I'm just guessing because I don't know what part of the road of Jericho he was on, but he was whatever he was going, if he was going 500 steps, that's a lot, okay? Puts him on there, finds the nearest inn, and says, take this person in. Here's $200. I'll be back as soon as I can if the bill runs over. I don't know your name. I don't know where he's from. By the look of him, I can tell he's a Jew. I should hate him. But today is not hate day. It's love day. And because I'm going to love him, I'm going to take care of him. Why? Because the greatest commandment was to love my neighbor as myself. Do I have any Samaritans in the building today? And I'm like, that Samaritan a lot of times. I get home and, 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 and my wife looking at me, she's like, yo, well, what's this money? And if it's not my wife, it's our accountant of the church, our, our finance director. Like, he, I mean, all, every week, every week he's like, hey, uh, how should I categorize this money? How should I categorize that money? I was like, yeah, so I was uh, at the gas station and, uh, you know, this lady needed like some gas. And so I just filled it up. I don't know if she's. She said she only needed to get to the next town, but I'm going to fill it up. So she needs something else. She's like, okay. And and what about this charge uh, at at Publix? Oh, well, you know what? This lady was in line. She forgot her card. And instead of making her go all the way back out to her car to get her card, I just paid for her groceries. And, you know, I think it blesses Jesus. And he's like, okay, next time call me. (laughs) Because it's the end of the month. We got to pay the rent at the school. But you know what? Not once. When I was obedient to that burden on my heart to do something good, did God leave me hanging? Can I, can I be honest? Not once. When I, when I listened to that burden on my heart to step outside of my comfort zone and do something for somebody else, did God diss me or forget about me? Not one time. Not once. I tried really hard to think about it, and I just couldn't come up with one. I'm very serious about that. And, and Jesus gives this example of the Samaritan. who who stepped outside of his comfort zone, loved on somebody that he should have naturally hated, even blessed to do with money, probably put him like in the best suite in the hotel, covered his meals and all of that, and said, I'll be back in a few days. Wow, that's good. I've been reading this book, y'all, and then then this is where you get to take some notes. Y'all ready? I've been reading this book, and it's really, really jamming me up. It's a book called The Art of Neighboring. And it's written by two pastors. One is actually a director of church planning up in Colorado, and it's a phenomenal book. And the entire book is called The Art of Neighboring. Check it out. You can even go on the website. It's uh, artofneighboring.com. It's just full of information. The whole book is about what if, dig this, what if we literally took the greatest commandment for what it was, to love our neighbors? What if we literally did that? Think about it. So today I want to do something. For those who are joining us here for the first time, we are a church that is interactive. We like group participation. So I hope that you'll join us in some participation. On the back of your, uh, your program there, it's blank, or it should be some room there. Okay? If you need a pen, this is where I need your help. Now, Now, those who are visiting with us, I don't expect you all to have a lot of answers. But those who are regular attenders... Yeah, you're about to get a gut check. Just say ouch in advance because it's going to hurt you. All right? This is what I want you to do. Those who are regular attenders. Three people in this room. I want you to tell me about three people in this room. And here's what I want you to tell me. I want you to identify three people in this room that are not your family or your closest friend. Okay? And that's what I want you to write on there. I want you to write on there their first and last name. Of three people. Second thing I want you to write. Something significant about them. How many children they have. What their children's names are. Where they live. Where they work. Third thing I want you to write. Now if you don't. If you can't do all three. It's okay. The whole purpose of this exercise. Is to jam you up. To show you just how small we are. But yet we're very disconnected. Just in this small community of believers. It's not to jam. It's not to hurt you. It's to help you. Okay, so the third thing I want you to do is tell me something deep about them. Maybe a deep conversation you had. Ouch, right? Come on, G-Money. Ouch. It hurts. It hurts me as a pastor because it says, you know what? I've not done a good job of making sure that we are connected outside of these doggone school cafetorium walls. So I double your ouch and triple your ouch because at the end of the day, it all falls on who? Passer. Passer. All falls on the pastor. So, here's the thing. Spend some time with that. You said two people. Three. 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 Yeah. <laughs> two plus one, three. You're right. I know you were going with it. What? Two plus one, three. Three. The three things. One, the name of three people, first and last name. Two, something significant about them. Maybe how many children they have, uh, you know, where they work at, you know, where they live. Okay. And the third thing is something, and, th- and you're not going to share this. I'm not going to ask you to share this. So, But if you've had, like, a deep conversation with them, something deep that you know about them that they've shared with you maybe, okay? If you don't know that, that's okay. This is, this is all an exercise because guess what? Next week I'm going to have you do that for eight neighbors in your neighborhood. Ooh. Somebody say, ouch. Why you doing that, pastor? Because, uh, yeah, yeah, look, I don't know my neighbors. I, all I know is that they come in late. They bumping music. All I know is they got a lot of people over there. All I know is they're loud upstairs above me, or whatever the case may be. But here's the thing, my brothers and sisters. Would you all agree that everybody in this room says I'm a Christian? Okay, maybe I'm in. I, I'm really in the wrong. We don't got no Christians in here. This ain't small group. This ain't this ain't this ain't AA, y'all. This is. Would you all identify yourself when you do the census and you have to check the religious box? What Okay. Wow. Lord, have mercy on me today. Y'all making me work. Touche. Touche. <laughs> Touche. But we all are Christians, right? And and if we all are Christians, we're all at least familiar with that commandment, right? Love my neighbor as myself, right? That is the whole foundation of our whole faith. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to do it today. I'll have handouts for you next week where you'll have to. And so listen, I'm giving y'all a head start. You know, y'all can go today and see your neighbor because this is what happens with some of y'all. Can I be honest? You pull up in your subdivision, or your apartment complex, and there's certain neighbors you see, you see them outside, you grab your phone like you want it. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go right in your garage, lock the door, turn the lights off. Come on. You have a barbecue, your neighbor's like, oh, y'all cooking. Now you're like, oh, you, you didn't get the invitation? No, because you didn't send it. Y'all quiet. I'm, I'm really stepping on some toes. I'm getting all up in your business. That's okay. I love y'all. This is to help you. Remember when mom and dad used to spank you and say, it's going to hurt me more than it hurts you? Yeah, that's true. That's what's happening right now. It's hurting the heck out of me. But it's to bless your life. Because I believe that when we get to that place on Judgment Day, everything else we've done, the one thing that's going to matter most is did you love your neighbor? It's got to be important, right? He talks about an Old Testament He talks about it several times in the New Testament. Everything, listen, there were 600, watch this, there were 613 commandments that God gave his people, and then the people created an additional thousand plus to make sure that they obeyed and abided to the 613. Doggone it, this must be important. And I want to make sure that we don't miss it. That, that because you are a Republican and I'm Democrat or you're conservative and, and I'm liberal, that we don't divide certain lines. I still love you and we can have a debate like grown folks, and come back. Because you're a Falcons fan and I love everything New York. Say something, if you will. <laughs> really? That shouldn't divide us. Let's argue. Let's talk trash. But let's get on with being Christians and loving our neighbors. So next week, be prepared. You're going to have to do eight of your closest neighbors, and you're going to have to go way deeper than what I asked you to do. Here's the truth. They did a survey, a census of this. Let me share what happens in this census, and then I want you to take a few notes because we got to get out of here, and I want to dunk some children. Yeah, my own kid. All right, I'm getting a little emotional. Forgive me, y'all. Judge me if you want. These are my babies here, and. They make, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. Lord, have mercy. Thank you. Help me. All right, here we go. This is what they say when they did the census. Typically, 10% of the people can do only one of those things. 10% in this entire room can only do one of those things. Right? Typically, 10%. Watch this. 3% can do two of them. They're ready for the real, real, real grind, dirty stuff. Less than 1% can do all three completely. And I only ask you to do that for three flipping people in this building. If I ask you to do it for your neighbor. Now, listen, for the record, let me stop. Let me pause. I ju- it just hit me like a ton of bricks. If you've just relocated to this area, you get a pass today. Just today. You got work to do. You can start. Listen, if you just relocated to this area, you, you listen, you can start off right. You don't have to go back and backtrack. you be like, you know what, Pastor B, set me up. I just moved here a couple months ago. I can begin right now. Matter of fact, that's the easy way. Like, hey, I just moved here from so-and-so. I just want to introduce myself. Got some cookies for you. Got some candy for you. And here's some nice roses. You can start on the right foot today if you just relocated here. Here, 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 here. I want you to take some notes. Here, here, here's what I want you to do. Take some notes here. Watch this. Let me tell you why this is so important. Why this is important to Jesus. Neighboring is your first note if you're taking notes. Neighboring creates opportunity to connect our stories and our neighbor's story to God's story. If you're taking notes, that's your first note. Neighboring creates an opportunity to connect our story to our neighbor's story to God's story. That's a big deal, right? Because if if you lived, and all of y'all have lived, I see people from different ages, all the way from little kids up to over 40 or more. You've lived, and you've experienced some things. You've walked that road between Jericho and Jerusalem. You've had haters in your life. You've had people that didn't support. You've lived life long enough. So you've got a testimony, and I guarantee your neighbor does too. But you don't know it because you're not engaged with them. And when you share your story and they share their story together, collectively, harmoniously, beautifully, you are sharing God's story. And word says where two or three are joined in my name, I am with you. So now you all know each other's story. Let's go and see about this neighbor here. Oh, they got a story too. Let's go see this neighbor here. They have a story too. Before you know it, you got your own church starting right there in your subdivision, in your community. It's that simple. And that's all that God wants us to do, neighboring creates opportunities to connect your story and your neighbor's story with god's story here here let me let me let me tell you about mosaic church mosaic exists to reach people where they are how they are regardless of who they are with the life-giving message of jesus to share the good news of jesus with everyone through practical biblical teaching and life application that they might become fully devoted followers of Christ, to serve the hurting, those that feel hopeless or helpless, the disconnected and the next generation, to love all people, regardless of race, social, economics, culture, religions, backgrounds, anything. Our mission is simply to reach, teach, serve, and love. And this is how it happens. We must have... This is how it happens. We must move strangers from strangers to acquaintances. We must move acquaintances from acquaintances to real relationships. And that, my brothers and sisters, is the art of neighboring, plain and simple. The power and the genius of the great commandment is is simply that it's very simple, but it's very powerful. And here's the good news. On this journey that we're taking together over these next several weeks to love our neighbors, I'm going to help you overcome barriers. I'm going to give you some practical biblical things that they did in the Bible to overcome barriers. I'm going to help you understand how Jesus wants us to deal with the messiness in the lives of our neighbors and how they can deal with our own mess because we all are a mess, right? None of us are perfect in this place, right? And and, and and then I'm gonna uh, then I'm gonna get you to celebrate your neighbors. I'm gonna tell you how you can celebrate your neighbors and, and 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 come together. Now here's the thing the goal is not to have your neighbor come to Mosaic Church. Let me kill that myth right off the bat. Pastors just want us to get to know our people and fill up this place. No. I want you to get to know your neighbors because when God calls your name and he says, Now let me see what you've accomplished. Oh, nice. Very well educated. Not bad looking either. Great father. Beautiful wife. Wow, you climbed up the corporate ladder well. Oh, my goodness. You were the first one to give to that nonprofit. Now, let's see what you did in the area of love. Yeah, you judged that person because they didn't graduate from the same school you graduated from. Hmm, check. Check. Oh man, yeah yeah yeah. I I I I put myself in the image of a homeless person, but you were too busy to notice. Yeah. Check. Uh I uh, I I made myself, I brought myself all the way down to your level in the form of a child and the child was begging out to you, but you said not now. Go play with the other kids and you just ignored that child who only wanted attention and prayer. Check. And I don't want y'all to be in that line and get all of these checks because you refuse to pause and flip in love. I don't. So stay with me on this journey. Be prepared to be stretched outside of your comfort zone. And do you know, (laughs) do you know being stretched outside your comfort zone is so beautiful and so warm and so perfect it's so wonderful, especially when you're stretched for God. And that's what I want to do for you all today. Listen, this isn't a deep message today. This is just an intro. It, it gets deeper as the weeks go on. So, so I want you to continue to come back. But this is what I don't want you to get caught up in. I don't want you trying to love everybody. Because if you attempt to love everybody, you will end up not loving anyone. Start with a few at a time. Identify some people today in this place that you're going to intentionally connect with. Get all up in their business. As a matter of fact, pastor's giving you permission today. All right? So if anybody frowns at you, say, yo, you were sitting there when he said get in each other's business. So give me the dirt, (laughs) Holmes. Give me the juice. Let's get this thing going. All right? Get in their business. Not to be nosy. Now, I, now, listen, if I hear you've been in somebody's business and you sharing their business, I mean, just straight up, real talk, we're going to have issues. Because that's not what this is about. Don't come to Pastor talking about, you know what, we need to just pray over so-and-so. they really going through it. No, if you didn't pray on them, you don't need to tell me about it. That's your job. Every person in this room is a minister. May I be a pastor?